0: Hello and welcome. (laughs) Hi, Brandon. Welcome to, I'm keeping it. We're keeping that in. No, 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 Welcome to the After the Sermon podcast, (laughs) an Austin Oaks Church podcast that invites this congregation to process the work that God is doing in our lives, in our church, and in the community. Uh, This is week two of our sermon series called Water Always Makes a Way. Uh, so we are joined today by Brenda Lucky. So thank you so much for being here, Brenda.
1: You're so welcome.
0: And my name is Becca Haken I'm the Director of Worship and Creative Arts. And we are also joined by Pastor Brandon Zisky, our lead pastor, hey, hey. who preached this past weekend. So as we do, will you start with a summary of what we talked about this past Sunday?
2: Sure. Um, we looked at John 7 as the second installment of the sermon series looking at um, water making a way and what we're trying to kind of like set the base for is to look at the old testament pictures that talk about like the wells of water and you know in the wilderness or in the desert the lord's going to bring about water refreshing especially looking at isaiah 43 when we look at he's going to do a new thing but then even after that he's talking about like in the desert or in the wilderness i will create streams of water so it's like looking at these images is like, okay, what does this mean? And when we look at water in Ezekiel 47, the streams that increase and grow, life, abundance, joy, you, you can see it, represented it. And so then when we looked at John 7 with the festival of booths or tabernacles, and understanding that the Jewish people saw that festival as like the pinnacle of joy. It was the season of their gladness, and also, the whole ritual is circulating around—not just the booths, but ultimately circulating around the high priest filling up a golden pitcher at the pool of Siloam, coming in and dumping it on the altar, and rehearsing Isaiah twelve three, looking at Zechariah fourteen, Ezekiel forty seven, which is all of this image of the river coming from the house of God again to bring about joy and life again to the world. So it was a celebration of joy. So. We're looking at this going, okay, so is one of the roles of the Holy Spirit in our lives really to bring about joy? And so that was kind of like the angle that we're going with. And so we looked at John 7 at the high point of the festival when the high priest and another priest was about to dump the water and the wine on the altar of the burnt offerings and just shouting out for joy, Jesus in that moment. Couldn't contain himself and just shouted out, "Was like, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. And the one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, which is all of the Zechariah fourteen, Ezekiel forty seven, all of those psalms, Psalm sixty three. They will have streams of living water flow from deep within. It's a beautiful picture. It's just like, what do you do with that, Brenda? What do you do with that, Brenda?" <laughs> Brenda's one of our favorites.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, you're sweet. Um, what did you say about your husband? Just a moment. No, I'm just kidding. I <laughs> I that,
0: that she loves him very much. That's it, and he's <laughs> a wonderful
1: man. Mess. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, anyway, what did I think about this picture? Um, I, I think, was telling Brandon. I think it's so interesting that God has used the picture of rivers so often in His uh, Word. And um, when I think of a river, I think of how it can be so peaceful and calm and beautiful and then in just a small amount of time can become a raging force. Mm -hmm. And I think how like the Holy Spirit in our lives that is because when we think of the power that we could tap into i mean the word tells us that the same power that raised christ from the dead lives in those of us that believe in him that has always just completely blown my mind and i i can't imagine myself ever getting in this life to that point of power But his power can also be very quiet and calming. And I think God is so gracious in that he does start things as a little trickle sometimes. And I think that's intentionally to give us a chance to get our toes wet and to begin to adapt to the process of letting the Holy Spirit be the one who is in control of our lives. Because that is not our normal nature. Our normal nature is just to, to try to control everything. At least it is for me, mm. speaking, speaking personally. But um, I have also found over my decades of walking with Christ, it is those times that I turn that over to him and let him have control. That's when I experience his joy. Mm. It's nothing that I can create on my own. It's there. It's waiting for me to experience it. But I just have to turn it over to the Holy Spirit in order to get there. Mm. Mm. So I loved that picture of walking a little bit deeper in the water. I walked out another Hundred meters and it was at my ankle. To me, that's God's grace. He takes us slowly and at our pace because he knows how long it's going to take to get through to us. Mm -hmm. But all we have to do is just turn it over to him. We can't do it ourselves. It's not possible.
2: Hmm. After the service, when we invited people to come up for prayer, there was a, a young lady that came up and was feeling like she was in a, a desert place, but it was more in the sense of, like, like I need this. I've been asking the Lord for this, and he hasn't provided it.
0: Mm.
2: And also, in, like, Deuteronomy 8 is what, like, immediately came into my mind. I was like, man, that's actually a really good connection to the Feast of Tabernacles. Because the whole thing is, a rem- like, a celebration of those 40 years. So to go with the trickle statement and like with that, like what just hit me was in Deuteronomy 8, Moses speaking to Israel from God, on God's behalf before he dies and doesn't go into the promised land. He says, remember that the Lord your God led you this entire journey, these 40 years, well, so that he might humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments. And so it goes on to say he humbled you by letting you go hungry. And then he gave you manna to eat, right? And then he goes, it's like, it's like he, he let you thirst so that you would go to him. It's just amazing. Like, your clothing didn't wear out. Keep in mind, we've talked about discipline. Keep in mind that the Lord your God has been disciplining you, just as a man disciplines his son. So keep the commands of the Lord your God. He's, he's a good God. He's bringing you to a good land with streams, springs, deep water sources, flowing in both valleys and hills, a land of wheat. It's just, like, sometimes the Lord makes us hunger. Mm-hmm. It makes mm-hmm. us thirst. And I think that's a little bit part of that, like ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep kind of like concept. It's like, just thinking through like sanctification or whatever. It's like, I'm curious to know, I want to ask both of you a question that kind of punt it off of me. <laughs> like, have there been seasons in your life where you didn't know then but no now, looking back, that the Lord was causing you to hunger and to thirst to test your heart. And what was that? What did that look like? What did that do afterwards? You're welcome.
0: I know. You stole my question. Oh, did I? That's amazing. Yeah, good. I'm
2: so glad I am not being asked that.
0: <laughs> oh, no, you are. Get ready. Um I'll just share one story. So I had been in ministry for a long time and I kind of had experienced kind of on this small scale, what it was like to be kind of the looked to mentor guru in a space, right? Kind of put on a pedestal. People wanted to have coffee with me because for some, whatever, right? We're such little idolizer, right? Little worshipers, right? Mm -hmm. So I know I did this when I, I still do this, right? I look to certain voices as kind of like authorities, you know, it's so quick to do that instead of Jesus, right? Like, but this person, you know, I trust their walk with God. I trust their wisdom. So I'm going to kind of, and I think there's a good healthy part of that submitting under someone's teaching and, you know, follow me as I follow Christ. Like, I don't think that's all bad, but when Jesus kind of gets removed from the picture completely and you're just more about that person. So I had experienced a little bit of that, of like what people, people more looking to me than going and drinking from the water themselves. Like I was the well, I was the one that carried it instead of. And then by God's grace, I did not see it at the time, but he removed that very harshly ripped it out of my hands and just said, we're done here. Right. And because he knew I wouldn't do it on my own. So it was a really hard set of circumstances that by God's grace ripped it out of my hands. And I actually got a job at Starbucks. I have a dream of opening a coffee shop. And so I was like, okay, let's actually work at Starbucks to see if I actually like it or if it's just this idea in my head, you know, kind of get onto the ground floor of running a coffee shop and see and it was so humbling after you've been in a position of mentoring and teaching and you know as a professor at this university I was speaking at chapels and so when you kind of come off of that place and you're cleaning bathrooms and you're serving people and their Starbucks drinks aren't the way they want and it just was the best kindest gift god could have ever given me was like are you have you gotten to a point where you are better than cleaning out if i asked you to do this if i if this is you walking with me is this will you honor me and worship me in this moment as much as and it was this hunger and thirst for god to see me in the mundane, in the the not on the radar, not impressive, um, but it gave me eyes to see mm-hmm. also people in maybe in those hidden places, and it created a hunger that and this, a knowledge of like God sees me, and that's mm-hmm. that's all I need, and it it, w- I'm, it was the greatest gift. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel it at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. It felt really harsh, and you talked about this. You talked about. Discipline being the kindness of God, and that's, it felt like discipline. It felt like I had done something massively wrong, and now I'm sitting in the corner. You go, do your time. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was the kindest thing he could have ever done. Mm. Mm. Well, I guess
1: my story's a little bit different than that. Um, Raymond and I moved here in 1972, and that was a very different time, folks. There were no cell phones. Uh, you could speak to someone long distance, but it cost you a lot of money. Mm. And um, we had moved out here. I was away from everyone I had ever known, my family. Um, It was the two of us, and we were kind of struggling financially. He was going to school on the GI Bill and working at stop-and-go until 11 o'clock at night. And I had found a job Uh, working at the university at um, their student health center, but not making a whole lot of money. But it was kind of a a tough time, and he was busy, and I was busy, and we were both tired. And I found myself really missing everything I'd ever known, uh, especially my family and my friends. And I felt very alone. And I had, it was a time in my life when I had completely walked away from any kind of church activity because I had been very badly wounded by the pastor in my home church. He had just really pulled the rug out from under me and I didn't know what I believed anymore. Mm-hmm. And I was in that time in my life where my relationship with Jesus was not a personal one. And so it was me and the church. It was not me and Jesus. Mm -hmm. And um, so I really didn't have a foundation that, that I could hang on to. And I did begin to hunger and thirst for truth and something that was real. And I look back on that now, and I know that was God's grace. He never turned loose of me. He never stopped calling me back. And so I started turning on the TV on Sunday morning and trying to find a church that looked like it was something I might be able to become a part of. And little by little, over many years, He made me realize That what I was missing in my life was Jesus. Um, and he had to take me away from everything that I knew and put me in a desert Mm. where there really wasn't much water before I knew that it was him that I needed. And it was by his grace that he took away all those old concepts that I had, um, Because my relationship was with the church. And I didn't really know who Jesus was. Mm. And as I started reading my Bible, as I started praying, as I started looking at who he is, he completely blew my mind. Mm. I mean, what you say about when you encounter Jesus, it changes everything. That is so true. And it was it was such, it was the beginning of a beautiful growth in my life that I still see happening every day. And my children have given me one of those things called story worth, where you kind of write the old stories about yourself. So when I'm long gone, my grandkids and my great grandkids will kind of know who I was. And I just came up with a question that I wanted to answer that I created, which is what do you regret most in your life? And it was that time Hmm. Mm. when I did not know who Jesus was, when I was not walking with him, when my life was about me and other people and things and as I sit here the age I am today, I just think, if I hadn't wasted all that time, where could I be now? But I'm just so grateful that once I get where he is, it'll be 10,000 years and forever more. Mm-hmm. I don't think we ever stop learning about him. He's mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. deep. Mm-hmm. He's that profound. Um, there's, just, there's no way to describe him. Mm. But without him in my life, I don't think I would have survived. Mm. Certainly not be where I am today, mm. which is um, such a blessing mm. in my life.
2: See why we love her?
0: Yep, <laughs> right. <laughs> just keep talking, I mean, it's not Brenda. just because of that. Just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what about you, Brandon?
2: Yeah. I'm going to go Back to when I became a Christian, but I'm gonna I'm gonna use a, a story about being dehydrated first, though, to kind of <laughs> make that connection. Um, so <laughs> it was like maybe the first or two years of being married, and um, Carissa went to bed early, and I was up a little bit later. I mean, she wasn't sleeping yet, but I don't I like. At that point in my life, I used to work out like five days a week, e- easily one to two hours a day. And, and I'm pretty sure I wasn't healthy, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which still is the same song today. And um, and all of a sudden, like I was in the bathroom about to get ready for bed. And it was just like this slow wave mm. where it was just like, all of a sudden I'm like, I'm going like, my legs feel weird. <laughs> and it just like, slowly built itself up and and my heart was just like pounding Mm -hmm. like and I'm like starting to freak out my limbs everything's just getting super heavy I'm thinking I'm I'm dying like I don't know what's going on Mm -hmm. you know I'm like heart attack whatever and and I literally just had to sit down so I was like sitting on the bathroom floor between the toilet and the bathtub and and I couldn't like, and I was just like wanting to like shout out, like to cry. I was like, but I couldn't even do it. I was so weak. I was like, and all like all I remember was like throwing my body against the tub because <laughs> oh, I couldn't God. even move my arms. It was just like this, <laughs> and then she finally, like Krista, finally came in. What's wrong with you? God, you know, she was mad because I woke her up, <laughs> and then she just saw me like on the floor, looking grayer than gray. And she was just like, what? And I remembered the only thing I could get say is, mm. and it was just like, it, it, it just reminded us. I was like, mm. I didn't know. I had no idea what I was like needing until that moment. And then literally once I took some water, it was just like, you could just feel incrementally like throughout your body, just a reviving, yeah. right? It was so yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. So in my, like be, as the Lord led me to him, I'm such a stubborn individual. My temperament, and plus the way I was raised, I was I was building wells metaphorically in drugs in drinking, in in this, in and drinking and popularity and this and sports. I mean, it was just all over the place. And and they would always run up, and then I would either try to refill it or just go, "I need a new one," mm-hmm. and I just kind of constantly doing because I'm like literally now. I look back, I had no idea what I was doing then, but now I look back, I was just like trying to. Find that satisfaction, you know, and little by little by little, everything was ripped away from my life. Yeah. I mean, like, everything sports, school. Well, I shouldn't say the Lord ripped that out, that was because I didn't go <laughs> and I was like More threatened academic like probation. Yeah. No, that was yeah, the yeah, Lord yeah, doing yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so, like, literally, I blow up my shoulder in college right before the fall tournament or the Florida tournament, I mean, literally everything is just like being taken away. And it just got to this point where in Hosea two, when the Lord was going to like with, that's a crazy story, like wooing Israel back to himself, it says, I'm going to persuade her and I'm going to lead her to the wilderness Mm -hmm. to speak tenderly to her. Mm -hmm. And like, we think, like, in America, like, we think wilderness, like, rainforest, you know? The rainforest in Judea is, is m- like, rock, miserable desert. He leads her to that place of, like, ripping away everything. And so, to cry out, to, like, finally get there. So, it, that's how, what it was. Like, I remember that. And knowing what I didn't know I needed, I cried out to Jesus and when I drank from him, it was just like mm. my whole body, my whole life, just like started to feel that reviving, right? So that's that's one of the hmm. clearest symbols to me is he God lead does church. Listen, God does lead us to the wilderness, yes,
0: yeah. yes, to yes. make us, us cry out to yeah. Him, yep, yeah.
2: because we don't know what we don't know,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, and we need Him to do that, yeah. And if you look at Isaiah 30, the promise is, like, the Lord is waiting to show you mercy. Like, the moment he hears you cry, he acts. It's beautiful. Mm. But we don't cry until we know how hungry and thirsty we are.
0: Right. Right. So, I loved that you started the sermon with this old school throwback commercial to, who knew, Sprite who knew (laughs) profound profound truths found in the sprite commercial um and i was like so expecting gatorade to pop up on the screen (laughs) and it was sprite i'm like wow gatorade is is (laughs) Uh, it in you yeah exactly and but i'm like wow that's like not even close to a sports drink that's just soda but profound right thirst is yeah thirst is Oh, image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. And then right. um, your mm-hmm. profound truth from seminary, <laughs> <laughs> that thirsty people look for something. Um, and I think it's, it actually reminded me of this Jim Carrey quote, <laughs> theologian Jim Carrey. Yes. Let's just mm-hmm. But this quote really has stuck with me for years. and uh, He just says, I wish everyone could get rich and famous and everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that's not the answer. Wow. And it I yes. mean, I just that resonated with me. That stuck with me. And so I my question is, all right, it's this or just I would love to hear your thoughts on the paradox of that we find our full satisfaction and yet God doesn't necessarily take away our thirst. Like out of his kindness, he keeps us thirsty with a with a that's only quenched by him, right? Like it's this this ongoing hunger and desire that almost, like, grows, right? Our thirst and our hunger grows, mm-hmm. and yet it's not a frustrating, um, like, what the world does when it promises and then leaves us empty. It's this, it also leaves us satisfied. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on, like, that, that you know, because we, we talk about God satisfying us, and we can only find, but then there is this dynamic of ongoing thirst and hunger so how does that play out in your all's lives What are you it. looking at me for <laughs> take it <Brandon>.
2: <laughs> <laughs> if you, oh man we got to get a video on this because like brenda was just like she looked at me like a deer like
0: Go, please, oh, you go. please, no, you go.
2: Please, please say it. No, you go. Kidding. See, here's the thing about Brenda. She she knows the most profound answer. She's just like won't <laughs> say it. You could try
0: first, and then I'll go. <laughs> so
2: this is a little bit cheating because this is in my sermon notes, <laughs> which I did not say. But it, it's like yes, on this side of eternity, like we will perpetually have that. Actually, I still think we'll have that actually in mm. eternity too. The difference is there won't be any confusion Hmm. in eternity. Like we'll know. And that's all we're going to want here. We're in this sanctification from glory to glory, becoming more like Mm -hmm. Jesus. But the difference is with the Holy spirit is that we don't have to build our own cisterns. We don't have to go out, dig wells. We don't have to do all of that. It's it's he has dug that well in our heart and, from deep within that fount is overflowing in us, mm-hmm. and so we have to learn where to drink, mm. right? And so it's like we don't have to go out, we don't have to get, we don't have to go look, we don't have to strive. It's there. That's why Jesus is just like remain in me, yes. abide in me. It's it's there. That that wellspring is within you. It's never going to go away, and it's going to just lead up to, you know, eternal life. So it's like we need to learn that process, which I think there is some symbolic nature to that trickle piece of mm-hmm. like our own sanctification. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so that's, that's the biggest thing. It's just like, it's, it's within us. So how do we learn to keep feeding on Jesus, how to keep drinking, having our soul drink up Jesus, right? Like that, that to me is the the process. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And I, and I think it has to be an every minute of every hour of every day kind of a process even if we're not conscious of it even if I'm thinking about what I need to buy at H-E-B or oh I need to put gas in my car or whatever when the Holy Spirit is within you he is constantly showing you things that are maybe blessings from God or things that he's let you have that he's taken away from you and why he has done that. Mm. And um, I do think that's one of my favorite passages in the Bible is abide in me and let me Mm -hmm. abide in you. And that sounds really easy, but it's not because the world is constantly pulling us in another direction. Mm. And the Jim Carrey quote was a little bit profound because, yeah, I think he does. We have blessings and we've all had things that have been taken away from us. Um, When you get to be my age, a lot of that is youth and vitality and um, energy and those kinds of things. But the wonderful thing about God is that he can still use where you are in that moment to help you grow in him and to show you how to glorify him with what he's given you. And it's, um, it, it's just an ongoing process. I remember when he was not in my life, and that was the desert. But now he's with me every single moment of every day, and that's the thing I've tried with not maybe so much words about how I live my life to communicate with my friends who don't know Jesus is that the blessing is you are never alone for one split second Mm -hmm. after he becomes a part of you. And so I'm not just Brenda Lucky a- anymore. I'm Brenda Lucky, a child of God. I'm Brenda Lucky, a daughter of the Queen, the king. I am a queen in his eyes. I am I am who he is making me to be, but only if I let him make me who he wants me mm. to be. That may not have been exactly the answer you were looking for, but mm. that's what he gave me well, in the moment. So mm-hmm. that's what I yeah, said. No, that's oh, good. That's so good.
2: Yeah. Because, like... The flip side of that coin is going like, well, how can I phrase this? It's, it's like I, I'm convinced that as a believer, as a child of God, when you taste and see that the Lord is good and you choose to go drink from a different well, mm-hmm. you already know
0: mm-hmm. yeah.
2: that that well is not going to be as good as mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's no longer like this. I didn't know that I like God is good like you know when you don't trust Jesus like you you don't know right like at that yeah. point but now as believers it's like we know and like in, but somehow we try to convince ourselves or maybe we get deceived into thinking but it's like that's where that learning is for us it's like mm-hmm. we know that we know that Jesus yeah. is the better thing yes but yet in our frailty in our weakness in our selfishness still that that's still there the flesh that's in us we still want to Go drink at a different well yeah, and get convinced mm-hmm. that that's there. But yeah. yet, like, that, what was that psalm where David writes? It's like, my soul says to me, seek his face. You know, like, when you just, also, you just have that, like, I haven't been with the Lord for some time, but yet the spirit within you is just like, seek him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you're really thirsty, your body's like, you need some water. No, I'll take a Coke.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> you know, you're yeah. like, wait. Yeah.
0: Have you ever been so like thirsty though that you're like only water? I only want water. Yes. Have you gotten to that point? Oh, yeah. yes. I have, and you're like, wow, that means I'm really <laughs> yes. dehydrated. I really just want water. Yeah, That's and only I loved I your want.
1: picture of the fact that God actually gives us a blessing when we do drink mm-hmm. that water because we get that dopamine reward, yeah. in our brains, and it's kind of like, okay, wake up. When you take me inside of you, you get joy. Mm -hmm. You know, so draw that parallel.
0: Yeah, I loved that quote, Brandon, that you said, of like we glorify God by delighting in God. I think that, like, I would love to hear your thoughts on. John Piper. Yeah, and like. But why is that so hard for us to remember as Christians? I feel like we just, we're not necessarily known for our delight. Yeah. Or our joy.
1: Yeah. We're known Mm. for a
0: lot of other (laughs) things.
1: Yeah, I grew but up but not in a, that. I grew up in a deep South Southern Baptist church and you got dressed. I mean, I remember my mother pin curling my hair every Saturday night. I
2: don't even know what that is.
1: Oh, you you don't wanna <laughs> you know. Don't. But I mean when she took the pin curls out it was like curls oh. everywhere and I don't have curly hair, you know. But I had to look just right to walk in and you had to have on just the right mm-hmm. shoes and women could not wear slacks to church. We wore dresses and we wore stockings and high heels. And it was all about how you presented yourself in that church. The focus was on me. Mm. The focus was not on God or the fact that I was there to enjoy him. The concept of glorify God and enjoy him forever was completely alien to me in my early church wow. mm-hmm. life.
2: That's fascinating. Like it, It's very similar to to me, but it was like we didn't have all of that nice stuff to look good. But it's just like, man, that's just reinforcing like it's all about the external.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, It's all about how you perci- look, how people perceive you. It's mm-hmm. like, oof. Yeah. That yeah. is legalism.
1: Yeah. And that's the world around us. I think it's constantly trying and When I say the world, a lot of people, you say Satan, and they go, oh, she's a crazy woman. Satan's <laughs> real. Yeah. And Jesus has my heart, and nothing can ever snatch me out of his hands. But that doesn't mean that Satan can't mess with my mind. And he does. He wants to do everything he can to get my mind off of Jesus and onto something else.
0: And the lies, right? The father yes. of lies. Yes, yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, and that's the thing that, (laughs) it's funny, it worries me so much about my grandchildren and their generation, knowing the truth of God and letting him direct their lives. And I found myself just wrapped up in a ball one day worrying about that. And it was like God said, okay, did you or did you not surrender your grandchildren to me when you said I surrender Mm. all? And so I just stepped back and went, okay, God, you've got it. But it's right. The world pulls us in every direction except toward our Savior.
2: What do you think, Becca? Why aren't the believers tend to be joyful?
0: I mean, it's it's hard to say, right? And I don't want to come across like I... Like judgmental.
2: Should it be safer for us just to go? Here's why <laughs> Here's I don't. Why?
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I can. Let me just say it from my perspective. I honestly didn't know Jesus. I think I knew. I knew another form of Jesus. I was presented with a different kind of Jesus, um, and I remember so vividly watching a Bible teacher, really madly in love with Jesus. And I was like, I don't have that. But like, that's not what I experienced. So what is that sent me on a journey of so then what what do they have? What what Jesus are they experiencing that I'm not experiencing? That I don't know. And I think that is that is a very real reality is if you if you don't know the delight, if there isn't a fruit of joy, isn't a fruit of this is the best this is satisfying. I would I would encourage people keep digging, keep yes. searching because when you find Jesus, mm-hmm. you know like there is a and I didn't know that. And as I was a, grew up in the church, I didn't know if that was actually true. But I was I was like I don't want that and I don't want this anymore. So if there's more out there, I'm ready for it. I wanna, I want that then, because mm-hmm. I don't want this. This isn't producing any good fruit in my life, and I see it causing damage around me. Mm-hmm. So I don't want this. But if there's another Jesus, if there's a Jesus out there that other people claim and that brings them fruit and joy and peace and patience and kindness and comfort and encouragement and I the, give me, I, like I'm ready. Mm-hmm. I'm ready to go on that. End that journey. And it did take some unlearning. It took some mm-hmm. courage to, to question and to say some hard things. And mm-hmm. sometimes that was received. And sometimes I was seen as, "Ooh, she's like, she's questioning, she's doubting, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to find mm-hmm. the safe places to doubt and wrestle. Mm-hmm. But it, when you know, you know. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. He, he he is truth. Yeah. And the true Jesus is wow, there are no words. But I remember when I was beginning that spiritual journey and I thought, if you're out there, Jesus, if, if this is real, you need to show me how to find you. And I was closed up in my office and I had taken my Bible to work because that was not something that you did. You didn't read your Bible in front of other people where I worked, but, um, I just opened it up to Jeremiah and there it was, you will find me when you seek me Mm. Mm -hmm. with all your heart. And so part of it is on us. He makes it that way so that we have to look for him. So we find that joy at the end when we experience the real Jesus. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Relationships require reciprocal engagement, investment. You know, if there's if there's only one giving party and the other one's always receiving, that's an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, and so it's, I, for me, I'm I'm gonna go, I'm I'm just gonna rip this one right out there. It's, um, how do I say it? it? It's like, I feel like, even though I know I'm saved, and even though I feel, and I I know. I'm adopted. I still feel illegitimate. Mm. And so, like, there's there's these deep parts of me of, like, stories or labels or identities or things that I spent the first 18, 19 years of my life rehearsing are still a running operating system in the back of my mind. You know, it's kind of like what Paul says, like, we have the battle between the flesh and the spirit. Mm -hmm. That's where my main battle is. And so... I oftentimes feel like God doesn't really enjoy the real me. And so I need to be a different me. Mm. And that different me is exhausting because you always have to work at it, always be aware of it, always make sure you're looking in a certain way and acting a certain way. And, you know, Mm. not always, but like that, that to me is like if I were to go to seasons when I'm feeling very free and joyful, it's like I feel like I'm in a. Okay, I'm rooted. I get it. Here's how God sees me. And then the seasons when I'm, like, not, if I were to sit, sift it all through and analyze I'd be like, oh, it's because I'm believing, again, hmm. this. Mm-hmm. You know, so, like, mm. that, that is my constant <laughs> struggle when I'm, like, why am I, okay, why am I, okay. You know, it's just, like, in that spot. And I'm thankful for Romans 7, you know, where it says it's like, yes. you know, when I do what I don't want to do. It's no longer me, but it's the sin that's living in me. I'm like, thank you for that liberation. You know, yeah, and it's yeah. just like, because we are in that new creation. And that's when you go into Romans 8, where it's just like the spirit that's within us testifies, it affirms, it gives witness that we are children of God. And I'm like, thank you mm-hmm. so much. So,
0: I, it was paradigm shifting for me when. Even in the worship leading space, when God helped me with this picture of I was approaching worship leading like, okay, I need to tighten up my muscles. I'm like, get ready. I'm going to like strive. I'm going to lead really well. And I could even see it was like this tightening of the muscles. It was this like, I'm going to try really hard to do God's will. And God was just gently like, actually, I want you to do the exact opposite. I want you to let go. And get caught up in what I'm doing and I think that's the difference between kind of a spirit of like religion and legalism and and I say religion in that like I mean what I mean is legalism is that I'm just doing this out of my own strength and effort as opposed to getting to releasing so that God's power can work through me which means letting the muscles go so that Like, it can, it's, I know it's hard for me as this good Mm -hmm. Christian church girl who wanted to be a faithful, obedient soldier in the army, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, what is, I'm curious, we like to ask this question at the end of the podcast. So, what's the invitation for you out of, in light of what we talked about, in light of the sermon this week?
2: Brenda, Brenda. Oh, oh, not boy. me. You. i
0: <laughs> <Couldn't laughs> <and> Brandon. Going <laughs> to make me do it first. Okay. No, just no, just no, you. no.
1: no. <laughs> oh, just me. Yeah.
0: Okay. No, Brandon too. <laughs> oh.
1: <clears throat> what is the invitation for me? Um, first of all, let me just say I love this series. Um, hmm. I love that we're leaning into the Holy Spirit. Um, I was a little surprised, actually, when you were getting very, um, academic about that. And I thought there's probably a whole lot of people sitting in this service that have never experienced the Holy Spirit. But, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I just want to continue to learn more and more about him. I, I want to love him more every single day. I I want to finish well. Uh, when you ask that question about you know don't say a church answer to this but what is it that you're thirsty for? And
2: unless it's true.
1: Unless it's true and for me it That's is. That's the <laughs> caveat. And yeah. For for me it is true. I just I thirst for peace. I thirst for justice. And I just really want to finish this life well. As I look back on my life, and I think everybody gets to this point because I remember my grandmother's saying this, um, you look back on all the mistakes you've made and you really wish you could have done it better or you could do it again. But when I'm no longer here, I want to be known as somebody who really finished well. And by that, I mean glorifying God helping other people to see the real Jesus because it breaks my heart that this world does not see him mm. for who he is. Mm. There's this fabricated Jesus. There's this little bitty skinny guy in the white robe that speaks with a British accent and all the movies that I've ever watched. And I just, I don't know, I just, I have to turn it over to him. I don't know where tomorrow is going to lead me. I don't know what else he has for me in this life. But whatever it is, I want to walk in lockstep with him. And I want to serve him wherever he puts me. Mm -hmm. And I'm in a season of kind of sitting and waiting right now. My husband's health is not all that great. We don't go out a lot. I mean, COVID taught us a lot. About what we don't have to go out and do. Hmm. Um, But. I want to make him proud of me.
2: Hmm.
1: I want Jesus to be proud of me. He is. I hope so. (laughs) And not by anything I'm doing. Hmm. But by turning it over to him. Let me qualify that. Hmm. I loved what you said about righteousness. It's not about being better or doing the right thing or doing it better it's about letting the holy spirit live inside you yeah
0: there was a prayer i read just yesterday that said i I oh i wish i had it right so i'm just gonna paraphrase but it was god i desire to please you and so help me rest in the fact that the desire does please you. The desire to please you does indeed please you. Mm. And I yes. thought that was Yes. That's it. That's all he wants. Yeah. Right? And yeah, yeah Brenda, you are such a gift okay. to us and to this church. And we know what we can both say, Brandon and I in this room and everyone listening, no doubt. Jesus is proud. Mm. Right? He loves his kids.
1: Yes. And I'm one of them. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) What about you, Brandon? Anything?
2: Um, For me, I think walking out, the invitation is to hold a healthy and right view of his heart Mm. would be the picture. And so some people lean towards one or the other, like God is all love and all this and this and this. And they neglect the, the holiness side. I tend to lean a lot more towards the holiness side and struggle to Mm. believe that he loves me, not other people. I have no problem with that, (laughs) with me. So I'm just going to read this because this children's story is one that is still like etched on my heart. I'm like, this is how I want to walk out seeing Jesus. Because I do think that like some of our younger generations are definitely a little bit wrapped up in the, Jesus is so loving and so this, but it's not the right picture right. Mm. of love. It's it's more of that therapeutic, self-medicating, and he only loves me if he allows me to do what I want to do. Mm. So this is, uh, I'm, I'm just going to read this because I so wanted to read this yesterday. I didn't. <laughs> it's C.S. Lewis's um, Chronicles of Narnia, and this is from the book The Silver Chair. And, and so I'm just going to read this for you. Jill, seeing a lion, is scared out of her wits and runs into the forest, and she runs so hard that she wears herself out and is just about to die of thirst, or so she thinks. And when she hears the gurgling of a brook in the distance, she approaches it and is almost ready to go to a brook when on the grass before her is the same lion that caused her to run. Are you not thirsty? Said the lion. I'm dying of thirst, said Jill. Well, then drink, said the lion. May I? Well, could I? Would you mind going away while I do, said Jill. The lion answered this only by a look and a very low growl. And as Jill gazed at its motionless bulk, she realized that she might as well have asked the whole mountain to move aside for her convenience. The delicious rippling noise of the stream was driving her nearly frantic. Will you promise not to do anything to me if I do come, said Jill. I make no promise, said the lion. Jill was so thirsty now that without noticing it, she was... Coming a step nearer, do you eat girls, she said. (laughs) I have swallowed up girls, I have swallowed up boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms, said the lion. It didn't say it as if it was boasting, nor as if it were sorry, nor as if it were angry. It just said it. Well, I didn't dare come and drink, said Jill. Then you will die of thirst, said the lion. Oh dear, said Jill, coming another step nearer. I suppose I must go and look for another stream then. There is no other stream, said the lion. It never occurred to Jill to disbelieve the lion because no one had seen his stern face could do that, and her mind suddenly made itself up. It was the worst thing she had ever had to do, but she went forward to the stream, knelt down, and began scooping up the water in her hand, and it was the coldest, most refreshing water she had ever tasted. It's just this beautiful picture Mm. of Mm. Jesus, this tension of, like, invitation, but also knowing that, like... To come is, the first time, is terrifying. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, uh, what are you going to do to me? You know, like, and he's just like, listen, I I am the holy and righteous judge. Yes, I have eaten girls and boys and cities and emperors. And and like, this fact, but come. Well, I'm going to go look for it. There is no other. It's just like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah, like, he's that's, not a tame line. Yeah, that's that that's the picture I want to walk away. It's like that's this beautiful tension between the holiness of God and the the mercy.
0: Yeah.
2: And gentleness of God too. Mm-hmm. So it's like I want to walk away with that.
0: Yeah. It's a threat to all the other wells. It's mm-hmm. a threat to
1: yeah.
0: the things you thought. And then yeah, you said that when you haven't yet tasted. It's really scary, because there is that piece of, like, will he really satisfy? Yeah. Like, will he really make good on his promise? That's real. Yeah.
1: It reminds me of an old Chris Rice song that was popular when my kids were teenagers, and I was a lay leader with the high school and the church I attended. And I wish I could remember all of it. But it's about a river. I hear there's a river where when you get in that river, you will never thirst again. And at the end of the song, it just says, and so I plunge into the river with all that I have, Mm. praying, this will be the river where I'll never thirst again. I'm abandoned to the river, holy river. That's what that reminds Mm. me
0: of. It's beautiful. Yeah. Love it. I thought we could end with Psalm 63, Mm. because you talked about that. (coughs) Do you want to read it, or do you want me to read it? Okay, (laughs) I got it. Okay. So Psalm 63. God, you are my God. I eagerly seek you. I thirst for you. My body faints for you in a land that is dry, desolate, and without water. So I gaze on you in the sanctuary to see your strength and your glory. My lips will glorify you because your faithful love is better than life, so I will bless you as long as I live. At your name, I will lift up my hands. You satisfy me, as with rich food, my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. Beautiful, Brenda. Thanks so much for being here, A Brandon. Pleasure. Thank you, mm-hmm. and thanks for listening in to After the Sermon podcast. And we'll we'll touch base next week.